I do want to say a special welcome to all of you who are joining us online. We're so grateful that you can stay connected wherever you are. If you're here for the first time, uh, we want you to know that we're grateful that you joined the conversation as well. Uh, I'll be standing at the Connect Center. I think it's on the left side of the foyer today. You wouldn't believe this. We, we set up twice this morning. We had a bunch of tents and tables set out, and then it rained. Then we put it away. Then, then the sun came out. So the Lord is directing our path this morning, and we'll do whatever uh, makes sense. But we are so, so glad that you guys are here today. Now, before we get uh, into the message this morning, I do have a special announcement uh, if you were here last week, you knew that last week was what we were calling Celebration Sunday. And we celebrated the generosity that was demonstrated over the four previous weeks as we were coming to, the, to our end of the year impact initiative. And we announced last week that we had 96 gifts come in, which was amazing, right? That was a huge level of generosity. In fact, it was twice as many gifts came in this year as last year. But that's something to celebrate. And it was really, really close to our goal of 100 gifts. We said, God, we have a church of, of, of so many people. Would we pray everyone gets involved? And that was about 100. And then we announced out of those 96 gifts uh, that we raised $120,000 uh, over the, last, the previous four weeks. Well, we have an updated announcement to share with you. Since last Sunday, we've had a, about another 15 or 16 more gifts that have come in. And from last week to this week, we raised, oh, I should have done the math before. We raised, okay, we raised, from last week to this week, we raised another $62,000. So what that means is we crushed our first goal, and we got a lot closer to our second goal. We, uh, as of today, we raised $182,000 for our year-end impact offering. I just want to say you guys are amazing, amazing, wonderful, generous people. Not only did we raise those resources in the last four weeks, but last week we sent out, we put up two trees with 99, 98 people on those trees representing uh, the community uh, neighboring us. And last week we had 88 of those names taken off those trees. And this week you guys all brought back those gifts. We don't... I said this last week, but we don't just have a generous church. We have a sacrificial church. And there is something about this community where you guys are crazy about giving. And I'm so thankful that we get to be a part of that. So thank you for your generosity this year. Uh, we cannot wait to see what God does with all the resources that have been embedded and seeded into this community. And we want to say thank you. Thank you to our, our team and some of our leaders who have created an atmosphere in this place where this community can trust that we're going to honor those resources well. We love you. Grateful for that and uh, excited for today. Now today, uh, we are launching a brand new series, and if you're new to the conversation here at Eden, we love to explain kind of what a series is every time we jump into it, but a series for us is just a collection of talks that we spread out over the course of several weeks, and we focus on a theme, a topic, or a passage from Scripture, and then we talk about how to apply that to our everyday lives. Now we could look at all the things that we learn. But what we have noticed is that if we never put them into practice, it is rare that we actually see God's promises fulfilled in our lives. And so we talk a lot about the application of, of what uh, we're learning from week to week. And so today we're launching a series called This Christmas, This Christmas. And uh, just so I know who I'm working with this morning, how many, how many of you guys love the Christmas season? Anyone else? Anyone excited? All right. How many of you, I just want to know, go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you started putting up Christmas decorations after Halloween? After Halloween. All right. Yes, we got a few highly committed, 
followers of Jesus that did it right after Halloween. Okay, I wonder how many of you, how many of you uh, started shopping early for your Christmas presents? Okay, smart people. God bless you. You guys are not going to be in a bind in the next few weeks. I was talking to one of the young ladies at our church, I think it was two months ago. Okay, two months ago, and they told me that they only had one more gift to get for Christmas. And uh, I felt ashamed. I felt like moving forward, this is an aspirational goal for my life. But I'm like you. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love the peppermint mochas. I love the presents. I love all the festivities. I love Christmas songs. We're going big here at Eden uh, for the next few weeks. There's only one time of year you get to sing Christmas songs at church. And so we're, we're, we're going to hit it hard. But I love it. I love everything about Christmas. And what I'm realizing is that the older I get, I'm li- I like to do things the way that I've always done them in the past. All right? I don't know if that comes with age. I don't know where it's coming from. But now it's like we have some regimented traditions that we are embedding in the life of our family. We like to watch all the same Christmas movies each year. We like to use the same star that we put on the top of the tree. We like to listen to the same playlist as we're putting up uh, uh, the, the Christmas ornaments on the tree. I'm starting to realize the older I get, I love Christmas traditions. And some of you may be like me. And, uh, and if you are like me, you may have also noticed that sometimes the traditions around Christmas are not as uh, healthy as other parts of the traditions in your family. So let me just do a little confession. For me, I get really busy around Christmas time, okay? Anyone know what I'm talking about? You get busy, you get a little bit of stress, you start thinking about all the gifts that you have to get for people, not wanting to offend people if you can't make it to their Christmas party. And what I've noticed over the years is that in that busyness, it is possible to lose sight of what Christmas is all about, right? You get caught up in all the festivities and you forget that this is not meant to be a season of anxiety or stress or hurry or busyness, but it's really meant to be a season of worship, a time where our hearts and our minds are directed to the thing that has changed humanity forever. And so that's what my hope is. My hope is that over the next few weeks as we are in this series, we will begin to reorient our hearts and our minds as much as we have things in our life that want to pull us away, pull our attention away from the most important thing, we would allow for this series at least to be a weekly reminder for us to focus on the things that matter most. There's a a verse in the New Testament when the angels appear to the shepherds in the open field in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and they said, don't be afraid because I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. That is what Christmas is all about. It's about this good news. In the Greek, it's the Greek word euangelion. It means good news for all people, not for some people, not for the elite people, not for the disparaged people, but for every person on earth. This was good news. And so today, in light of the Christmas season, I want to talk about letting this Christmas be one that is full of gratitude. Anyone need a little bit more gratitude in their life? I, I hope I'm not alone in that. Uh, so to do that, we're going to look at the life of a teenage girl. Her name was Mary, and, uh, and she finds herself in the middle of an unexpected pregnancy, which for most people would be a very chaotic season of life, and it was for her in some sense. But she finds herself in a uniquely uh, different circumstance than, than has ever been experienced before. If you've been to church during Christmas time or you've watched 
The Chosen? Anyone watch The Chosen? Then you probably know the story, right? Mary, who was probably just a young teenage girl at the time, was chosen to give birth to the Savior of the world. And, uh, and when you kind of put it like that, it has a nice ring, right? I mean, if this happened, she probably would have had an amazing YouTube following. Uh, she would have been popular, probably an influencer. But I kind of think that at the moment that Mary was experiencing this, this is not something that a person like Mary would have ever aspired to. But I think this is what is so powerful about her story. Because when God called her into this unique circumstance, she responded with faith. This young girl responded with faith. Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, it says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you've just said about me come true. Can you believe this? Coming out of the mouth of a young teenage girl, she said, let it all come true. Knowing all the drama that she would experience when she told her fiancé that she was pregnant with a baby that wasn't his. Now, she didn't cheat on him because she was a virgin, but it was this divine moment. She knew that there would be drama tied to that moment. She said, let it all come true, knowing all the scrutiny that she would receive from people who didn't believe her story. She said, let it all come true, knowing the discomfort that she would experience carrying a child for nine months. Let it all come true knowing the pain that she would experience when she gives birth to a child. Mary said, God, if this is what you want for my life, then I want it too. She said, I am your servant. Use my life however you see fit. I feel like we can kind of look back and imagine the type of faith that it would take to respond the way that she did in this particular moment. But it's especially uh, inspiring maybe when you realize that she was just a young teenage girl that demonstrated this level of faith in her life. And what we notice as we look at God's pattern in his economy is that this is not something unique. God has used young people all throughout the course of history to, to use their faith to influence an entire culture. I think about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego who totally turned the Babylonian culture upside down. I think about King David who eventually became the greatest king in the history of of Israel. God used their faith, and God is using Mary's faith in this moment as a picture of the type of faith that God uses to transform cultures. And this is what we know. If we continue on in the story, Mary's story, eventually she had to travel to a foreign land when she was nine months pregnant. And scripture tells us that she goes to the city of her husband's uh, origin of birth, which was an edict required by the emperor of, of Rome. And they go to where he was born, and for some reason, nobody had a place for them to stay. And so they found a barn, and Mary and her husband give birth. Mary, not her husband, Mary gives birth, all right, to a child among strangers. And I don't think that uh, if, if we imagined ourselves in Mary's shoes that any part of this was working out the way that she imagined it would. But look at her response. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And when I hear this statement, I have to ask the question, what was she treasuring up? The animals that were next to her? The manure smell that was off in the distance? The strangers that came to visit her who were shepherds, by the way? And if you know anything about shepherds in the first century, they didn't smell good. 
Hashtag no offense, okay? This was not like an ideal scenario. The fact that nobody from her own family accompanied her and her husband on this trip, the fact that no one from her fiance's family was willing to open up their home for her. I would have been salty. All right, anyone else would have been mad, upset. They would not have received a Christmas card from us that year. Or if we got one from them, it would have went straight in the trash. You know what I'm talking about. You're not better than me. Okay, we've all been there. This young girl could have felt so abandoned in this moment by all the people in her life who were meant to care for her. She could have felt bitter. She could have been hurt. But for some reason, she wasn't. It says that she was treasuring up all these things in her heart. And I don't know what process she went through to experience the type of peace that she experienced, but it seems like Mary wasn't thinking about any of these external details in her life. Instead, she was thinking about the only thing that really mattered in that moment because her eyes were locked on this beautiful little baby miracle that had come into the world, and she was holding the promise that God had promised Israel for thousands of years. She was in awe of what she was experiencing and what she was watching God do in her life. She was living in the moment of this promise. She had too many big things in her life happening to focus on all the small things that could cause her worry or anxiety. And I don't know if that's anyone else's story, but sometimes during Christmas season, you can focus on all the small things and lose sight of what matters most. Look at what it says just a few verses earlier in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 48. It says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This girl had perspective of what was happening in this moment, and it's almost impossible for someone with this attitude to ever have a bad day. And I imagine that maybe for some of us, Christmas is not going to look the way that we hoped it would this year. Maybe you're not spending Christmas with the people that you thought you were going to spend it with. Maybe this year you're anticipating that the family dynamics have changed. Maybe your finances have changed and your career has changed. Maybe your relationships are different than they were before. Maybe there was someone who you were expecting to be at Christmas this year that's not going to be there. And the reality for a lot of us is that Christmas is going to be painfully different and awkwardly different and uncomfortably different. But I wonder this year, what if despite all of these circumstances, big or small, we chose to have gratitude? What if we said this year is going to be a year of gratitude? I think sometimes whenever we talk about choosing our attitude, we think that we have to minimize the pain that we've experienced. And that's not what we're trying to do. You don't have to minimize the pain of what we've lost. But what if this year was the year to do the disciplined work of focusing on what is good and forgetting what matters less? Forgetting what matters less. Someone said that gratitude is the act of being thankful. The willingness to show appreciation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life. This is God's will for your life. And in other words, what Paul is saying, 
He's saying, choose gratitude. In the unexpected moments of life, in the busy seasons, in the trials, in the blessings, in the good days, in the bad days, whatever it is, let joy and thanksgiving be one of the keystone habits in every season of life. And I don't know if as we read that verse real briefly, you picked up on it, but what Paul is describing here, he's saying that gratitude is a discipline to develop more than it is an emotion to experience. He's saying choose gratitude. This was written in what we call an imperative of command. In other ways, Paul is saying choose it. Choose to do it. Choose to give thanks. This is God's will for your life. And I don't know about you, but I, I am blown away sometimes by the way that I watch people deal with tragic moments in their life. There was a story of a pastor who was coming out of a church uh, service late in the evening in London uh, in the mid-1900s. And as he was walking to his car, someone pulled a knife on him, and they began to rob him, and they took his wallet. And uh, later, uh, the story was told because they found it uh, a, a diary entry uh, a day after this event happened. And this is what that pastor writes. He says, let me be thankful first, because he never robbed me before. Second, because although he took my wallet, he did not take my life. Third, because although he took all that I possessed, it was not much. And fourth, because I was, it was I who was robbed and not I who did the robbing. It's possible that in every circumstance, we can choose gratitude. And sometimes that has to do with our perspective. Just the other day, um, I mentioned this probably in previous weeks, uh, but my pastor, uh, the church that planted Eden Church several years ago, uh, about a month and maybe two and a half months now, uh, he found out that he had stage four terminal cancer. And, uh, and I remember how shocking that news was for all of us to hear. And he's been traveling all over the country trying to find the right doctors to help treat what's happening in his life. And I remember it was last week that uh, there was a recorded video of him and he was standing in front of the church in the parking lot. He had just come home from Texas uh, from a specialist in Houston. And, uh, and it was week nine since he had received his diagnosis. And he was standing there and he was telling everybody, he said, I just want you to know how thankful I am for all the encouraging notes that I've received over the last few months. They've been such a blessing to my life. And he said, I'm thankful to be here on week nine when nine weeks ago they told me I only had eight weeks to live. And I think in those moments as you watch someone experience what it's like to live right on the verge of eternity, it's power, powerful to see when worry does not come out of them or anxiety does not come out of them or fear, but it is gratitude. And that is what Paul's suggesting. He's saying it is possible that despite the nature of your circumstances as you go into Christmas this year, that we can choose to have gratitude. Someone once said, it's not joy that makes us grateful. It's, gra it's gratitude that makes us joyful. And I wonder what if this week as we kick off this ki Christmas season, we chose to be as grateful as we can. And what if we didn't just choose gratitude, but we begin to discipline our lives and we begin to order the habits of our world in a way that allows for us to be grateful and thankful for the goodness of God in our life. One of, this, one of these powerful tools, and I'm not a consistent journaler, okay? I'm not going to try to say that I am. But I have a habit at the end of every year 
of just making a simple list of all the things that I'm grateful for. And I wonder what if, what if that became a habit for us this week? If we just took some time, we grabbed our phone, we got away from the noise and we sat in silence and we sought God and we just took some time before the end of this year and we just started making a list of all the things that we are grateful for. I promise you, I promise you, if you take time to do that, your perspective will change, even in the midst of challenges. And then I want to encourage you, if you take some time to make that list, to keep it by your nightstand. And when you go to bed, read over that list. And then when you wake up, you read over that list. And you can begin each sentence and just say, today I am grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my spouse. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for my relationships. I'm grateful for my community and for my job and for my career. And you just start making this list. And this is a little pro tip here. Okay, the more specific that you become, the more powerful this gratitude list is. I'm grateful to have a spouse who knows me well enough to help me to be, become the person that I'm supposed to be. I'm grateful for my children and that they are secure in my love for them. And in this list, I want to encourage you to have at least one section. I want you to talk about gratitude around your faith. And in your relationship with God, because this is the one truth that we have for all of us, no matter where you come from. It is the same truth that compelled Mary to have the perspective that she did. Is that no matter what is happening in our life, there's an undeniable hope that came into this world 2,000 years ago. So that no matter how discouraged we become, no matter how scared or fearful we become, no matter how challenging life becomes, there's an unchanging, unwavering, foundational hope that is true for all humanity and every part of the world and in every generation is that there was a God who loved us enough to give up what he valued most to redeem and re rescue a people who were lost. That is the hope that we have in Jesus. And this is the challenge, though, for some of us, is that there are some of us in the room today that have, have tested that promise. And we've tested whether or not God shows up in the darkest days of our life. And if you're here today, you have found that he does. But there are some of us who have been in a season of life where we are working and we are trying to do it all on our own. We still think that the paycheck is going to bring us the type of satisfaction we thought we've been looking for. We still think that certain relationships are going to fill that deep void. Some of us still think that the right job or the right house or the right neighborhood is going to fill that gaping hole in our heart. But what you may have learned over the years is that you still go to bed and you put your head on that pillow and you ask yourself the same question, is this all that there is? And there's that little numbing feeling in our hearts that we've been searching for. And some of you have come into the room today because you are willing and open to say, God, would you come in? I've tried to find happiness and peace in the world and I have not found it. And so I'm open. And if that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to take a step of faith. I want to give you a chance to receive the gift of salvation. And I know that for some of you, that sounds crazy. But there's a reason there are millions and millions of people all over the world for generations and generations who have claimed that Jesus has changed their life. 
And from your perspective, there may be no tangible evidence for you to identify that. The only tangible evidence is that there is a radically transformed life in front of you. And that has been true for generations and generations. And this morning, I want to give you a chance to say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to step out of the old life and into the new. I'm willing to give you a chance. So if that's you this morning, we're going to take some time and pray. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if this morning you are looking for a type of gratitude that never runs out, if you're looking for a hope that has never failed, we want to give you a chance to step into that love this morning. And you can repeat this prayer in your heart after me. And again, there's nothing special about the words, but it's whether or not these words reflect the condition of your heart. If you're willing to let the defenses down and let God come in, you can pray this after me. Dear God, I know that I've been distant from you for a long time. But today I'm looking for something new. And I realize that I cannot achieve the thing that I'm really looking for all on my own. And so today, God, I'm ready to open up my heart. And I'm ready to demonstrate faith, believing that you loved me enough to send your son to die on that cross 2,000 years ago and to rise from the grave so that there was a pathway forward for me. Today, I want to step into faith and trust that you can do more with my heart than I can. I'm ready to step out of the old life and into the new. God, would you give me the strength in the days to come to follow you in obedience? In Jesus' name, I believe. Go ahead and keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. And I know that there were some of you that whispered that prayer in your heart, and I want to challenge you to take one more step of faith this morning. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because what we have learned and this is a really powerful moment, is that when you respond physically to what God is doing in your heart spiritually, it solidifies something in your story. It allows for this day to be a mark in your life where you said, God, I'm choosing you first. And so on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer in your heart. One, you are so loved by God. Two, you did not hear this message by accident. Three, go ahead and raise your hand this morning. I see you. I see you. I see you. Any others? Any others? If you're tuning in online, I want to encourage you to go, go ahead and hit the, bottom at the button at the bottom of the screen and let our hosts know that you've made that decision. They'd love to get you some information to help you continue to grow in your relationship with God. Father, we thank you so much that every week you're at work in this church and every week you're at work in people's lives. And Lord, every week there are people who walk into this room not sure about who you are, and the nature of your relationship with them. But somewhere along the way, God, you've opened up their heart and you've allowed for them to step in faith and experience a whole new season of life. And God, we thank you that you've done that. God, I know there are people in the room this morning that are hurting. There are people that are experiencing joy. There are people that are in the best season of life. And there are people that are in challenging seasons of life. God, we pray for all of them. We pray that this year would be a season of gratitude 
where we remember, despite all of our circumstances, the foundational keystone truth of our life is that there is a God, our creator, who loved us and cared for us to sacrifice everything on our behalf. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you do me a favor this morning? And can we take some time to celebrate every life that's stepped into faith?